You're listening to The Gay Pro, where we empower gay business professionals from any industry to love who they are and love what they do. I'm your host, Omar Alexis Ochoa. Let's get into it. Hey everyone, so if I didn't manage to scare you off in the first episode, then thanks so much for tuning back in. For those of you who don't know me though, my name is Amar Alexis Ochoa, but you can call me Lex. Today I want to talk about big companies, specifically big companies that do right and maybe some companies that do wrong by the LGBTQIA community. Let's jump in. Now that we're just about finished with peak pride season, with tons of cities and towns celebrating pride in their own way all over the United States and the world, I want us to reflect. As you know, in the U.S., the month of June is particularly special, with the anniversary of the marriage equality decision as well as the anniversary of the Stonewall Riot, giving everyone in the community something to celebrate this month. With that said, it's not just us celebrating, but it's also our allies, including heterosexual mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, and yes, even corporate organizations. I think this last one's a hot-button topic every year. Should the community be embracing big companies at Pride? Aren't these companies just there for a profit, and are we being content being pandered to? For me, the answer's simple, yes, but I wouldn't call it pandering. Maybe you disagree, and plenty of people do. Just browsing around on Twitter, you'll see exactly how vocal some parts of the community are on this topic. Let me know what you think. I actually stumbled upon a conversation while browsing that I thought might be relevant here. For the sake of anonymity, I won't name the original tweeter, but this was a conversation involving Bath & Body Works on June 16th, 2019. The original tweeter wrote, Honestly, Bath & Body Works, where do you guys get off selling pride-themed items without donating any profit from sales? This was with an attached screenshot from the Bath & Body Works website showing their suntan three-wick candle, which was inside of a rainbow-wrapped container stating, Love is here. I can't seem to find it on their website, but the candle might be regional. Otherwise, I'd provide a link. The product was on sale retailing for $10.50, which was down from its $24.95 original price, which is over 50% off. Bath & Body Works actually got back to this tweet within about 30 minutes and wrote, Thanks for reaching out. In addition to our annual contributions to nonprofit organizations that support the LGBTQ community, our company will be making an additional $100,000 donation in celebration of Pride Month. The original tweeter responded about five minutes later, stating, I still don't understand why you guys are marketing an item that is Pride-themed without making a portion of those sales for charity. More people will buy it thinking it's in some way helping, but it really has nothing to do with the overall amount. Profits are more than $100,000. So, there's quite a bit to unpack here, but I want to start the discussion by thanking the original tweeter. It's people like this who help hold big organizations accountable, and sometimes it's needed to call out some bullshit. However, I also want to give some props to Bath & Body Works for their quick turnaround on their response. Some organizations can take days if they ever even get back to you at all. Social media is not easy, especially not for big companies that must undergo process before being able to put out a response. They responded within 30 minutes, which is a lot faster than most companies in their same industry could probably achieve. Now, in terms of my thoughts on this situation, I think Bath & Body Works should keep selling that candle, regardless of any actual donations made from those specific sales. Here's why. 
profits on individual products aren't actually as high as you'd think and maybe wouldn't surpass $100,000 on this one candle. Let's do some math. If we backtrack a bit, we know that this candle was on sale for $10.50, down over 50% from its original price. And as you probably already know, there's first the cost of production worked into that price, which cannot be profited from, but that might be negligible given how cheap it may be to produce this type of product, or maybe not. I don't really know a ton about candle production, so I can't speak to that, but I do know that Bath & Body Works is most likely taking a profit margin. What margin exactly, I can't know for sure, but let's just say it's something like 30%, which in some industries is actually pretty generous. 30% of $10.50 is only $3.15. This means that Bath & Body is only making $3.15 per candle, given that the cost of production, as well as the costs of shipping to the store, displays, digital media, and anything else associated with bringing this product to the shelf, is not value that they can profit from. It's actually lost as cost or as margin to other members of their supply chain. Let's reflect this across their $100,000 donation. Bath & Body stated this would be in addition to what they already do for Pride Month. How many candles would they have to sell in order to hit $100,000 in, say, a 10% donation? With some quick math, they'd have to sell nearly 320,000 candles at a 10% donation, which is about $0.30 cents per candle. In many industries, 320,000 units sold of a single product might be what they sell on a top-performing item, which this candle might not be. By donating a set amount of $100,000, Bath & Body may actually be doing us a favor, because if they sold anything less than 32,000 units at a 10% donation, we'd be getting less than $100,000 donated, because that would depend on the performance of the product. This is just one example of corporate giving, and I don't think Bath & Body should be getting any flack for their decision. I would rather give my money to a company donating some portion to LGBT causes, versus a company like Chick-fil-A that actually works actively against our community by giving to organizations that are specifically anti-LGBT. Now, I want to pivot from this discussion a bit because one question I think is important to answer is, how do we know if a company or organization is pro or anti-LGBT? Is there any empirical way to tell? Well, to some degree, there is. As someone who works at a fairly big company myself in the daytime, I can say firsthand that if you're someone on the outside looking in, it really isn't that easy to discern what the culture may be like for LGBTQIA persons at any given company. This is because you aren't in the know on the volunteering opportunities, donation events, or cultural initiatives that may be happening internally. This can make things a bit difficult if you're like me and seek organizations that align with your belief systems. How can you really tell if you'll be happy at the company you apply to or if you'll feel comfortable being out and proud in the workplace? This is definitely a question I asked myself before coming to my current organization, and luckily there's an answer you might find useful. I stumbled upon this quite recently and really felt the need to share it, as it's not something I had heard of before. It's the Human Rights Campaign's Corporate Equality Index. It's essentially a report, similar to those put out by Forbes, that instead rates organizations on their LGBT equality policies and initiatives. It was established in 2002 and is the HRC's attempt at rating businesses comprehensively on their policies, benefits, and practices towards LGBTQIA workers. There are actually three pillars that the CEI rates on that are important to know if you're interested in using this index to learn about a company you might be applying to or giving your financial support. 
The first pillar is non-discrimination policies across business entities. This is key as the CEI uses this pillar as a way of not giving a free pass to those organizations who maintain friendly policies in some nations, but not in others. It holds businesses to this standard across the board. No holds barred for discrimination in those entities abroad. The second pillar is equitable benefits for LGBTQIA plus workers and their families. This is important to consider maybe on a basis of time. Has your organization always recognized LGBTQIA plus family dynamics in their policies? Or was this only after the Obergefell v. Hodge decision that implemented it at the federal level? The third and final pillar is supporting an inclusive culture and corporate social responsibility. This one should go without saying, but it's the perfect metric to understanding a business's commitment to only talking the talk versus walking the walk. Many organizations simply comply with the newest legal protections for LGBTQIA people. But the CEI uses this to measure those organizations that not only comply, but embrace their LGBTQIA employees with corporate initiatives, cultural and community engagements, and things like a rainbow candle. The HRC has been publishing this report for the past 17 years and has grown significantly since 2002. As a fun fact, the CEI originally rated only 13 businesses in the U.S. as LGBT-friendly. It has since expanded its reach and list of businesses, and so today in 2019 has awarded 572 organizations the distinction of best places to work for LGBTQ equality. These are organizations that have endorsed full spousal and partner health coverage, affirmed coverage for transition-related care for our trans brothers and sisters, and ensured full LGBTQ inclusion in its supply chain programs. This is from end to end, and not just at levels of the business that might sit in America versus, say, India. If you're like me, then I'm sure you've heard enough about what the CEI is and want to know where certain companies have stacked up. We're in luck because the HRC has also compiled a summary of the Fortune 1000's top 20 organizations and provided their CEI rankings. The list starts with Walmart being number one on the Fortune 1000, surprise, surprise, and the retailer ranked 100% on the CEI. Next up, Apple, ranking number three, also received 100%, which I would hope so given Tim Cook's leadership at Apple. And lastly, Amazon.com scored 100%. I feel like these are expected scores, given how much scrutiny some of these organizations are under being absolute monoliths in the global market. However, there are a few disappointments on the list. Among the most disappointing is Berkshire Hathaway. It's ranked Fortune 1000's number two organization just behind Walmart, and scores a dismal 20% on the CEI, which is actually the lowest score on the Fortune's top 20. This score beats out the next lowest score, which is Costco, and landed at 60%. Now, I personally have no experience working for Berkshire Hathaway or Costco, nor have I really connected with anyone who has. So if you or anyone you know in the community could provide some insight into their experiences at either company or another company in either industry, I would love to hear it. So feel free to tweet me or send me an email. I'd I'd definitely love to hear your perspectives because these organizations rated incredibly low. So I'd love to know what it's like maybe working there. I do want to switch gears a little, though. I really don't want to sound all doom and gloom about the private industry. Although there are outliers like Berkshire and Costco, it remains a fact that private industry overall has always outpaced lawmakers, even here in the United States, in terms of liberal policies. 
Since this 2019 report was published, only 21 U.S. states have provided explicit legislation protecting individuals on the basis of gender identity and only 22 states on the basis of sexual orientation. There is, of course, the most recent legislation putting forth protections at the federal level, but what this goes to show is that there's clearly a lot of work to do from the perspective of law. It's a huge number of large organizations that have historically worked towards picking up the slack, providing protections without a state or federal mandate to comply. This is an incredibly positive trend that I would love to see more of, and although it's born out of a disappointing legal climate in the U.S., it's kind of a bittersweet positive to see many organizations deciding to do something about it. Now, one point of clarity I want to offer is that the CEI rating is an opt-in survey, meaning that the ratings we see are for those organizations who returned a response to the HRC. As a result, the tendency for these same organizations to trend positively is skewed in this regard, but I would say it's a good skew to have. It's therefore no surprise when you look at the statistics for 2019, of all the Fortune 500 participants in the survey, 99% commit to a sexual orientation policy, 98% commit to a gender identity policy, and have similarly high rankings for transgender inclusive benefits, LGBTQ competency, and public commitments to LGBTQ policy. Conversely, of those non-respondents from the Fortune 500, companies that did not return a response to the HRC, they were still able to generate some statistics on their policies by reviewing many of their public materials and actually rates an overwhelming number of organizations at 0% commitment, competency, or benefits. So I guess there's a good reason why these organizations didn't respond since it clearly wouldn't bode well with policies like these or lack thereof. I just thought that the Equality Index was an incredibly handy tool I hadn't heard of before and wanted to share it with those of you who might be seeking LGBTQIA positive organizations. Of course, every internal culture is different, so it's still hard to gauge whether or not the internal culture is truly LGBT positive from the outside. But at the very least, the Equality Index provides some insight into where an organization is aspiring towards. More so, when you start to formulate opinions on organizations that are potentially sponsoring Pride events, selling Pride merchandise, or making commitments to LGBTQIA plus initiatives, the CEI could be something you use to formulate an educated opinion. Not only that, but even for organizations that don't have any overt or outward-facing LGBTQIA plus messaging, a lot of them are still doing a ton of work behind the scenes in terms of LGBT treatment or benefits for their employees and corporate giving programs. I hope this helps shine some light on those organizations that deserve our praise and support as a community, and hope it provided some insight into how big companies aren't always just greedy monoliths. I'm of the opinion that at the end of the day, a big company still has people working day to day to make things like a rainbow candle happen. That's all for now, but I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please make sure to tune in to more content from The Gay Pro. Again, my name is Amar Alexis Choa, but please call me Lex. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at TheGayProFM or on either Facebook or Instagram at TheGayPro. Talk to you next time.